you know, politics may not be your thing tonight, uh, but we've got to have somebody, right? Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to do it. And it's important that we have people that believe like we do up there. And I just want to encourage you tonight to be sure you pray for our elected officials. Uh, pray for Senator McDaniel. I know some of the fights he's been in. And uh, no, not just only from the other side of the aisle. Sometimes uh, when you take a stand on the far right, you even take a little bit of fire, friendly fire from your own party. So you pray for him as he goes and as he leads. Uh, I've heard nothing negative about him other than I heard you're a Notre Dame fan. Is that true? I I've heard that. AJ, uh, y'all will kick it off. They'll be buddies. Oh, I don't want to hear it. Oh, don't say it. Where did you hear that? I know who you heard that from. I'll give him a call after the service and take care of that. Uh, but I reckon if he's willing to go up to the state capitol and fight on our behalf uh, and to tangle with those guys on our behalf, I think he could be a Notre Dame fan and that'll be all right. After the service, be sure, uh, Brother AJ, I'll take him back to the fellowship hall. We have coffee. We have some refreshments back there uh, just for a time of mingling for you to get to know him. Uh, as he runs for lieutenant governor, we're praying to have godly men up there to help guide our state. And uh, that'll give you an opportunity to speak with him a little more personal basis. Uh, try not to monopolize his time. He's a very busy man. I do appreciate him giving us the time that he's given us tonight. Uh, if you have a question, be sure to ask that uh, and then let someone else have some time, all right? Let's take our Bibles tonight. Uh, we've got about, according to that clock, 19 minutes, okay? Uh, can I pull it off in 19 minutes? Probably not, but uh, <clears throat> we'll try anyway. Jude, Jude, amen. Jude chapter number one, all right? Uh, or you can go to the last chapter in the Bible of Jude. Either way, it's up to you. Jude chapter 1, if you're there, go ahead and let's stand together. Uh, and I'm going to give you something that uh, will fit right in with what he had to say. And I'm going to preach as quick as possible. But most importantly tonight, we need to hear from the Lord. Allow the Lord to challenge our hearts. Jude chapter 1, I'll give you a little bit of a longer introduction. Three quick points, uh, and then we'll pray and have our invitation time. Jude chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and call. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Now watch verse 3. You know it well, but open up your heart to it again tonight. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye, watch this, should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord God unto of, of our God unto lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you tonight for the privilege to open your word. Lord, we need to hear from you tonight. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to live in this dear country. Help us, Father, for the next few minutes to see how important our faith is in the direction of our country. Strengthen our faith. Help us contend for our faith that, Lord, we might have a country that is worth giving to our children that they could continue the cause of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I love the book of Jude. 
and uh, not just because it's a short book, right? Uh, it's only one chapter. It doesn't take you long to read through that uh, in your Bible reading. But what I love about the book of Jude is it covers so much information and short timing, okay? And the reason it was able to do that is because he doesn't mince words in the book of Jude. I'd encourage you to read it tonight when you get home, and you could see just all the many topics that are covered in the book of Jude. Ecclesiastes tells us that to everything there is a season, right? Uh, there's a time to go to war and a time for peace, a time to speak up and a time to shut up. Amen? Uh, we don't always know about that time, but it's in there all the same. Now, there are times for us to be eloquent uh, in our conversation. There are times for us to sit uh, and to discuss things that maybe we're planning on doing in the future. But then there are times, as the Bible teaches us, that we have to exhort and lift up our voice. It's time for us to speak out on things of consequence that truly matter. I'll give you an example. Uh, we were crossing the highway to the beach the other day at uh, youth conference. I was taking the guys to play football, and uh, they didn't know that I had such skills, and so I had to show them off for them. And so we, we were walking across the highway. We were staying right across from the beach there in Gulfport, and uh, as we crossed one lane of traffic, the guys were kept, kept running. Now, I'm not insulting their intelligence. I think they were just zealous to play football, and they started to cross on over to the next lane of traffic, and I screamed, whoa, whoa. You know, uh, I like to come back with all the kids I went with. Uh, I have a 100% rate of bringing back young people that I have taken a youth conference into camp. Uh, I could not afford any of them to become roadkill out there, and so I real quickly said, whoa. I spoke, that was not the time to say, guys, uh, if you don't mind, would you please consider slowing down and not proceeding to the other side of the road because yonder Mack truck could possibly cause bodily injury to yourself. That was not the time for conversation. That was a time for exhortation. And I stretched my arms out as far as I could. I, your mom and dads are looking at me right now like, we taught them better. Look, we do try, don't we? We do our best, but they don't always listen. Look both ways before you cross the street. That was a time for exhortation. That was a time to lift up your voice. Why? Because of the consequences. Now, there's times in our country's history that are very much the same way. There are times for us to sit down and have conversations about the direction of our country, but there are times when we have to speak up and to be very clear about what needs to happen. Why? Because of consequence. I believe, as the senator mentioned a moment ago, we have reached one of those places. I believe we have talked for too long. I believe we, ha we have had conversations for too long, and now it's time that we stand up as Jude commands them and exhort one another to do what he says is needful in verse 3. <clears throat> watch what he says. It was needful for me to write unto you and watch and exhort you to lift up my voice and to cry out, is what he's saying, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Jude says we've reached a point where it's no longer time for conversation, it's time for exhortation. It's time to lift up our voice and cry aloud. Why? Because of the consequences for not lifting up our voice. He's saying simply, as the senator mentioned, that at some point you've got to stand up and fight for the faith that you say you believe in. Now look, we're good Baptist people from the South. I'm thankful for the Bible Belt. I'm thankful I'm born here. I know we don't have a perfect state. I know we eat everything fried. And I know we die young because of it. But we die happy, right? 
Amen. Some kid brought me, one of the kids, I forget who it was, was it Sarah Bickham, brought me a fried cricket. Was it a cricket this morning? Up in, uh, up in Kids Central, she's walking down the hall. Hey, you want to try a cricket? I said, yeah. Boom, popped it in my mouth. I thought she was joking. It was a cricket. I still think I have a leg. That's why my voice is raspy tonight. I have a leg stuck back there in my throat, okay? Uh, I don't know where I was going with that story. I can't quite remember that. <clears throat> I was going somewhere with that, Zach. That's what you guys did to me, staying with you at teen conference this week. Just fried my brain a little bit, all right? I will tell you this. We have reached a place where we've got to lift up our voice and contend for our faith. We're here in the South. We love to talk. That's where I was going with that. It took me a minute. I'll circle back. We're here in the South in the Bible, Belt, and we love talking about the Lord. I mean, what is one of our catchphrases? Bless your heart. We sound really spiritual. But we've reached a place in verse 3 where it's needful that we exhort to earnestly contend for the faith. A Barna research study was done recently, and it says that 85% of adults in America consider their religious faith, whatever it is, and their walk with whatever God they identify with, is something that's very important to them. 85% of Americans believe that contending for their faith is of the utmost importance to them. And I scratched my head. I couldn't believe that. 85% believe that their walk with God and their walk with their God is important, but I, I think I saw the problem there. I believe they misunderstanding, they, they, they have a misunderstanding with contending about their faith and contending for their faith. You know there's a difference. Some people, as my dad told me when I was a teenager, just like to argue, right? Are you one of those people? right? You just like to argue. There are times I just go through a spell. I just want to argue. It don't matter what it's about. Let's just get into a good scrap. And man, me and my wife, we'll get into a good scrap about really nothing at all. Why? Sometimes I just like to argue. There is a difference in contending about your faith and contending for your faith. And tonight, I believe God's people have to make a decision. Is it something that I just want to talk and argue about? Or is it something that I believe is needful in this place in America that I've got to contend for my faith. Proverbs 14, 23, the Bible says, In all labor there's profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That's poverty. That means the longer that we talk about it, the poorer we get. But as soon as we take up spiritual arms to contend for our faith, that is when we actually see things done. I was reading this afternoon, one of Teddy Roosevelt's speeches, probably one of my favorite, told my wife, I said, one day I want to have it framed on my wall. Uh, it's a speech that he gave back, I believe, in 1910. And it was a speech originally entitled, The Citizenship in a Republic Speech. The Citizenship in a Republic Speech. It has been retitled, The Man in the Arena. I'm sure you've heard of that. There was an ESPN documentary, I think about Tom Brady recently, entitled Man in the Arena. I know you're not Brady fans, but he's a football player that is retired now. That's who he is. But let me read you an excerpt from that. As Teddy Roosevelt gave this speech about the responsibilities of citizenship in a republic. He says, it is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and all 
who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I fear our problem in our country today is God's people have yet to get in the arena to contend for their faith. I'm afraid tonight, the reason our country's in the shape it's in, uh, I don't believe it's because of the left. I believe there's more power in the people of God. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I believe we have all that we need to help guide our country. The problem is we're not contending. We are more or less pretending rather than contending. And it's time for God's people to get into the arena. So tonight, for a few minutes, we're going to look at verse number 3. And we're going to look at this thought of contending for our calling. And I want to help motivate you just for a few minutes tonight in the importance of God's people in the direction of our country. Now, let me give you a little context first in verse 1, and then we'll get wrap it up in verse number 3. The Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James. Now, watch these next two words, to them, to them. Now, he's giving a command in verse 3 to contend for the faith, but who is he talking to in verse 1? He says to them, well, who is them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called? Now, he's giving all of this detail on who he is writing to, and the who is you and I. It's like when I go to the mail. For some reason, my wife is a magnet for jury duty. I don't know what she did in her past life. I don't know what she's done wrong, but she gets called up for jury duty four to one that I'm called. I guess they don't want me. They don't want any part of who I am up on a jury. She seems like a nice lady, and they want her up there. And so what I'll do is when I see the jury duty form, I quickly look at the name. If it's not mine, I laughingly hand it over to her. I'm like, well, I'll see you next week, you know, because she's got jury duty again. Who he's speaking to matters. So number one tonight, I want you to notice the recipients of the command in verse number one. The recipients of the command are those that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Who is he talking about? He's speaking about those who are saved. If you look at the the, uh, adjectives that are described in here of who he's speaking to, the sanctified, the preserved, and the called, those are all the aspects of someone who has been born again. That's who he's talking to. Now, why is that important? Oh, this is beautiful tonight. He's talking to the people about contending for their faith. But he's talking to people who know the power of the faith that they're fighting for. Now, folks, the best people tonight to fight for our faith and contend for it are people who are satisfied customers, right? I hope tonight that you're born again and that you're on your way to heaven. I hope that you are a satisfied customer of the faith. And you ought to be so satisfied that you're willing to contend for it. Have you ever thought about the things that you contend for? I mean, I've seen fights almost break out over Chick-fil-A or the new Popeye's chicken sandwich. I've seen people go to bat over LSU and Alabama. Uh, I mean, I've seen it, brother. It's been bad here in the South. I've seen people uh, go, to, go, to, go to the mat because, you know, their kids won something and somebody else's kid didn't win anything. Can I tell you something tonight? If there was ever anything worth fighting for, it's the faith that if you're born again that changed your life. The Bible says, for by grace are we saved through what? Through faith. It was that faith that changed my life. It's because of the faith that I can be sanctified. It's because of the faith that I can be preserved. 
It's because of the faith that I can be called. Can I tell you something? Without faith, that's impossible. That's why he says you ought to fight for it. Why? Because you know what it did for you. And you ought to fight for it so it could do that for somebody else. Here's what I'm afraid tonight. I'm afraid if we don't fight for what made a difference in our life now, it may not be here to make a difference in somebody else's life later. If you don't contend for the faith tonight that made a difference in your life, that faith may not be here to make a difference in your grandchildren's life in the future. Prime example, the other day I was speaking with a missionary from the UK. And I said, well, how are things over there? He says, it's almost a post-Christian society. I said, I can't believe that. Now, I, I did believe. I wasn't calling him a liar. He's like, don't call people a liar. No, I wasn't calling him a liar. It's just hard to believe. I mean, haven't you heard of the Welsh Revival? I mean, Spurgeon, the tabernacle, the thousands who heard the gospel preached. And now there are missionaries going to the U.K., Missionaries that are carrying the gospel to a place that once sent out the gospel all over the world? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Somewhere along the line, those that were sanctified, preserved, and called did not contend for the faith, and they lost it. We're having to send missionaries over there now. And can I tell you, America is falling in line right along with the U.K., why God's people aren't contending for their faith. Jude, I mean, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. We know this well. Listen close. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet what he did in Israel or in Egypt. How does that happen? How does that happen? Somebody did not contend. Somebody did not contend. We're living in a society right now where wokeness is, uh, is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Boy, somebody posted something about Cracker Barrel the other day. You know it's bad when Cracker Barrel starts getting on board. I mean, good night. Their hamburger steak is hard to beat, isn't it? I love their blackened fish. Oh, my goodness, with coleslaw on the top of it. And you see they got the rainbow rocking chairs now that are out there. As much as I hate that, can I, can I tell you something you ought to learn from them? At least they're willing to fight for what they believe in. <clears throat> I... I think Target has lost over $9 billion in market share because of the stand that they're taking, $9 billion. Talking about putting your money where your mouth is. They're not ashamed. They're contending for what they believe in. And what is amazing to me tonight is how much little God's people do in contending for truth when the lost world is more energetic about contending for error. I want you to know, don't be surprised if they don't win. If our country doesn't become to resemble more of who they are and what they stand for, why? Because they're willing to contend for it. I just wondered tonight, where did we get sidetracked? What has occupied our attention? You know, the Bible says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, and I found none. You ever wonder where the men were? Where were the men? He said, I looked for a man. There was a gap. There was a void. There was a hole. And all kinds of trouble can come through the void. Where were the men at? Where was somebody like the World War I and two generations to stand in the gap and say, no, not on my watch? Where were they at? I think we've gotten sidetracked in our country today and our focus is off what it needs to be on. And what it needs to be on is contending for the faith. Why? Psalms 127. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. What does it say? Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. 
Folks, tonight we can do our best. I'm thankful for our military. The other night, uh, we spent some time, had Caleb Carr come get on the bus with us. Caleb's going to be shipping out again on Monday, and uh, boy, serving, uh, serving the Lord and his country very faithfully there, and had him come on and speak to our young people on the bus before they left. I'm thankful for men and women who are willing to go and to stand in the fight for our country. But I'm afraid, listen to me, if we as God's people don't do our part, I believe it's in vain. It's going to be in vain. Why? Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Number one tonight, the recipients of the command are those who have been the recipients of that faith that you're to fight for. Watch this. Number two, I'm going to hurry. You keep reading down, and it gives you a little bit of an idea of what he wants them to do in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. So he wants us to contend. If you've received the faith, contend for the faith. Now, what does that word contend mean? Well, number two, notice the responsibility of our calling. He explains the responsibility of those in verse 1 in verse number 3 with one word. He says, contend for your faith. Now, this is interesting. The word contend is made up of two Greek words, and I love them. The first word is the word position. The second word is the word conflict. And so I'm sitting back there in my office, and I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do you get contend out of position and conflict? So I begin to read a little bit deeper and look at the roots of the words, and here's basically what it means. You take a position and be willing to endure conflict for that position. That's what the word contend means. I'll give you an example. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this here before. After four years, I may have told all my stories and have to come up with some new ones, amen, or just do what other preachers do and borrow other preachers' stories as if they're my own. <clears throat> I was preaching in Meridian uh, several, several years ago, and uh, it was about the time that LSU was playing Alabama. And as I was packing my clothes to go, I said, look, the night before the big game, I am going to wear a purple shirt with a gold tie. I said, that's my team. I'm going to represent my team uh, there at the church. And, and so I packed it up, got there, was talking to the pastor I was preaching for. And I says, I'm going to wear my purple shirt and, and gold tie. He says, brother, I don't know if I'd do that. I said, why? He says, we're in Alabama country. We're not far from Alabama. And I'm like, whatever. I said, I'm wearing my purple shirt and my gold tie. When I preached, he said, oh, go right ahead. He said, oh, it doesn't bother me. He said, you may get some looks. I said, that's fine. I get looks all the time. So I get up and I'm preaching. And uh, in the message is where I mentioned to them, I said, you know, I've always wanted a 67 Mustang. Always wanted one and in the message when I was preaching. And I uh, went on and went a little bit ways. And then in some point in the message, I said, yes, if you're wondering, I'm wearing the purple and gold to represent my team. Well, on the way out the door, I'm shaking hands with a gentleman. And the gentleman's name was Red. Never forget it. Because uh, he broke my heart. I'm standing there shaking hands. He says, hi, my name's Red. I said, nice to meet you, Red. He says, I got two 67s sitting in my front yard. I said, really? He said, as soon as you said that, I looked over at my wife. And I said, I'm going to give that preacher one of my 67s. And I'm thinking, oh, awesome. He says, and then you messed it up by talking about LSU. He says, forget it. And he walked off. <clears throat> You're talking about the spirit being quenched, Jack. It was mine. And I got to thinking, well, maybe I stood a little bit too hard on that one, you know? Talk about open mouth and insert foot. Now watch, I took a position, and then I had conflict because of the position that I took. That's what contending means. God, watch this, wants you to take his word, you open it up, and you take a position and be willing to take some conflict for it. I'm telling you, we are raising a soft, soft generation before us who don't know how to stand. 
I'm just being honest. Now, I love these guys, and I'm thankful for these guys, and I'm thankful for these girls. I mean, they got some scrap in them, too. I saw it this week. Don't make them mad. We're going through the continental breakfast there at the hotel we were staying at. There's one or two pieces of bacon left. Get out of their way. I mean, get out of their way. They're serious. You wonder why some of these boys, they look sunburned. That's not sunburned. That's slap marks. They reach for the wrong piece of bacon. They're like, I want the bacon. They reach in there to get the bacon. What are they doing? They're taking a position. Don't touch the bacon. That's why the guy asked me. He really did. The, next, the second morning, he asked me, Brother Andrews, if you'll just let me know what time your group is coming through. He says, I'll make sure we have plenty of food ready for them. I think he felt sorry for our guys. He thought, if we don't get more bacon out there, they're going to go home missing a few kids. Hey, it's sad, but oftentimes we get more riled up about food. I mean, good grief. By the way, it's 6.03, in case you're wondering. It's time to get out of here. Hey, there's coffee waiting in the back. Uh, There's food waiting there in the back. And we get more riled up about food than we do contending for the faith. The responsibility, watch this. He says, contend for it. You ought to look, all of you guys ought to open up this book right here, or not mine, get your own, okay? Uh, you ought to get in this book, and you ought to find a place to stand, and you ought to put your feet there, and stand there, and stay there, no matter the conflict. Don't let a girl talk you out of it, don't let a boy talk you out of it, you find a place, you take a stand, and be willing to struggle for it. That's what it means to contend. You find a position, and you face conflict and struggle, that's what made Daniel a hero. Daniel says, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to worship your God. And Daniel says, this is my position. It's not moving. You're going to die for it. I'm willing to die for it. Do you know why God used Daniel? Because he was willing to contend. He was willing to contend. Do you know why God used Joseph? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did Esther say? Esther says, here's a girl, okay? I feel like, you know, it's 2023. We've got to be equal, right? Let's be equal. Had a guy, let's have a girl. Esther, if I go into the king, I could lose my life. What did she say? If I perish, I perish. Oh. She chose her position and she was willing to face conflict for it. Can I tell you, that's somebody that God could use. But here's our problem I just don't want to offend anybody. But we'll offend people over bacon, we offend people over our football teams. We offend people for all of these reasons that aren't going to matter one iota in eternity. Hey, why don't we contend for our faith? Find a position and be willing to take some conflict for it. You know the best example of that is in Scripture? The Lord Jesus Christ. His position was he was going to give his life as a sinless sacrifice for all of us. If you look right out of the gates, right after he was baptized, he was led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be what? Tempted. He's about to face conflict for what he believes, for who he is. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful he didn't give in? Aren't you thankful he contended? Do you know who he was contending for? It was us. It was us. As as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and oh, who knows the powers of darkness bearing down on him. As he sweat as drops of blood, or when he's carrying the cross all the way up to Calvary, do you know what he's doing? He's contending. He's standing on what he believes, and he was fighting for you and I. Oh, that tonight we as God's people would learn how to fight for our faith. Contend for the calling of what God has called us to do. So number one. You notice the recipients in verse 1. Then we notice the responsibility in verse number 3. This is important. And let's finish up with this tonight. It will be real quick. But you got to see this, how he wraps it all up in verse 4. 
The final motivation in verse 4 you see is really negative. <clears throat> For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So number one, we see that we're the recipients. If you've received the faith, sanctified, preserved, and called, if you know what it's like, you ought to be willing to fight for it for somebody else. Then you see the responsibility is, hey, take a stand for something that matters. But if you don't, you see what happens in verse 4. The Bible says there are certain men crept in unawares. You know what that? That's number three. That's the resistance to our calling. The resistance to our calling. Do you know whether you stand or not? Is up to you, and it's up to me, and it's up to our church. But I assure you that if we don't contend for what we believe in, there is somebody willing to contend for what they believe in. And Jude says, watch out. There are certain men crept in, and here's the saddest part of verse 4, unawares. Do you know when something creeps in unawares, do you know what that means? Somebody wasn't paying attention. Somebody wasn't paying attention. This is why I believe we're distracted. There was a little boy out in the field one day, and he was pulling this big, big, big wagon. He was guiding the, the, the ox who was pulling the wagon. And all of a sudden, the, the wheel breaks, and the wagon goes over, and a farmer in the distant field sees him and runs over and says, hey, look, look, I've got all the tools at my house. Let's go and get the tools, and we'll fix it. The boy says, wait, wait, I need to stay with the wagon. He says, no, you don't. He says, but wait, my dad wants me to stay with the wagon. I got, I got to be here. No, no, your dad will understand. He says, just come with me. And they went off to the farmhouse to get some tools to repair his wagon. While they're there, he says, look, my wife already has supper cooked. Why don't we stop and have something to eat? He says, listen, my dad needs me at the wagon. He says, no, 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 your dad will understand. The wheel's broke. You need my help. Listen, your dad will understand. So the boy sat there and ate. The boy was scarfing down his food as fast as he could go. And <clears throat> he looked over at him and said, son, slow down. He says, look, I mean this. My dad needs me at the wagon. The guy says, well, well where is your dad at? He says, well, he's under the wagon. Now he had been distracted and got away from what he was there to do to help his dad. I think there's a wonderful country we live in, wonderful state that we live in, and I'm afraid it's under the wagon right now. God's people are going to have to start contending for the faith and quit being sidetracked away from the things that matter. What matters? Watch what he says, and I'm done. Verse 3, it's needful to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. I assure you there will always be resistance. First Peter 5, what does it say? Our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. But what does it say in verse 9? Whom resist? Resist. Yes, there's going to be resistance against us, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I think it's time we as God's people got motivated about the will of God in this area of fighting for our faith. Can I ask you this before we close? Are you one of those that he mentioned in verse number 4? Who's unaware? Are you unaware tonight of the spiritual battle? He mentioned it a moment ago. The war has come to us. The war is already here. We're not fighting a foreign country. We are fighting, the Bible says, spiritual wickedness in high places. It's powers of darkness. This is not flesh and blood fight. This is a spiritual fight. And the only people that can do anything about it are the people of God. What's the answer? Well, we've got to learn to contend for our calling. We are the called. We know what faith can do. Now let's fight for it so it can do it for someone else. Amen. Let's stand together.